Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome back to season two, episode two of The Average. We're talking about the Iron Claw. It was released end of last year, so right around, it was... Christmas time just before Christmas. I think it was December 22nd. It went yes. Released December 22nd from a two four in combination with Lionsgate. Uh, it's directed by Sean Durkin, who I had actually never heard of before this film. Uh, went back and looked up some of his previous work. He directed Martha, Marcy, May, Marlene and the nest, both of which are movies I've never seen, but I do remember Martha, Marcy, May, Marlene starred Elizabeth Olsen. So I remember oh. when that came out being kind of interested in it, but never got around to seeing it. It's got to be good if she's in it. So uh-huh, because she's fantastic. She's amazing. The movie stars Zac Efron as Kevin Von Erich, Jeremy Allen White as Carrie Von Erich, Harris Dickinson as David Von Erich, as well as Mara Tierney, Holt McCallany, and Lily James, who I always love her and everything she's in. Mm-hmm. So let's dive into this. We're going to change the format a little bit today. We're experimenting with instead of going through and individually reading our scores and what we thought, we're going to take it topic by topic and just kind of have an open conversation and end with the score that we gave it. So with that said, the first category we start with is the stories and plot how unique was this story and or plot yeah so um i guess to preface things i i'm a bit of a wrestling nerd i'm not so much so that i know everything and knew the story of the von erics like the back of my hand before seeing this movie but uh when i saw that it was coming out i went read up on it because i knew a little bit um got really into it. So I was really excited to be able to jump on and do this episode here. Um, So I might be a little bit more biased than a casual movie goer. Um, But for the story and plot, I gave it a five. Um, For me personally, easiest thing to that 
easiest part about giving it that five was the uniqueness category. And this is, I mean, you can't get any more unique than a somewhat biographical tale of a family's tragic life. Um, I don't know if you could create a story on your own that is as sad as this family story is. And it's not even all of the sadness is not even packed into the movie itself. There's more that they left out um, simply for runtime, according to uh, Durkin himself. But that was the part that surprised me, honestly. Yeah, there because the story gets so much sadder. <laughs> oh yeah, well they have another son, Chris, um, who ended his life ended very similarly to Carrie's uh, due to suicide. He was. So, sig- I think it would be a good thing at this point to mention mm. this episode is going to talk a lot about suicide addiction mental health uh it's a heavy film dealing with some pretty heavy topics so if you're sensitive to some of that stuff maybe skip this episode but it's a very mm-hmm. well done story i think it's it's a very powerful story but it deals with very heavy subject matter so just giving a little heads up on that yeah, this is uh, not a story that is for the faint of heart. Um, but yeah, in addition to the tragedies that we see in the uh, the film itself, there is a sixth brother, Chris, who took his life. Um, he had kind of a stunted growth uh, growing up, so he never was as big as the other brothers. Um, following uh, David's passing, Chris wanted to get involved with the uh, the family business, and it just never kind of came to fruition. And as time went on, um, he ended up tragically passing as well. So he somehow even more sadness again, like we said that there is to this story, but what we saw on screen, I thought was amazing. Um, the, the characters were all very well fleshed out. Um, even if there were some liberties that were taken, uh, one of the most jarring for me, I think being, uh, Carrie Von Eric being like a foot shorter than he's supposed to be in real life. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, they just, Everything about it was great. Um, I thought the relationships that they built were really great. Um, The way that you get to see those relationships as well evolve from the very start of the movie to the end. One in particular is uh, their father's relationship with the kids. Starts out and he's kind of this family man, buys a new car for the family to travel around in. You think that, you know, he's really got the best interest of them at heart. And as the story progresses, you just see that falling apart more and more and more. Um, and you see the the evil that lies within Fritz von Erich's heart. Um, so, yeah, it was it was easy for me to give this one a five right there. Yeah, I I did give it a four. I'm not from the wrestling background, um, but I appreciated this movie. For me, it was a kind of. I don't want to just say it's a sports movie, but it falls into that sports movie category. But what this did was provide such a unique family drama as the skeleton to this sports movie. Uh, The family drama is the core of what's going on here. And the, the wrestling is just I don't want to say it's not minimized it's but it's not i don't want to call it a wrestling movie it's a movie about a family that wrestles Mm -hmm. so i think that's the way to put it just like 
it could be a movie about a family that plays baseball and so on but where this movie shines as opposed to just any other sports movie is creating that unique family drama based on like you see this movie and it's hard to grasp that this much tragedy happened in a single family to one family and a family that kind of saw this much fame this much Mm -hmm. notoriety and you hear stories all the time about celebrities overdosing or committing suicide or so on but to just see it happen over and over and over again to this same set of brothers is tragic we went to see this my wife is the one who actually suggested to go see this i was curious but i was like she'll never watch that movie and then her friend was like I've never cried this hard at a movie before. And then that cued my wife. She loves being distraught. So she's like, yes, I want to go see this and bought tickets. And we went to see it because of that. It'd been hyped up by my brother. It'd been hyped up by my wife's friend. I don't think I cried that much until the very end. Like the, the final scene is when it got me because I kept expecting the way everybody hyped up how sad it was. I kept expecting it to get worse and mm-hmm. then get worse. And for that reason, I wasn't like, okay, I knew it was going to be bad. And so I didn't cry when things would happen. But yeah, the movie has a really compelling, um, I don't want to call it generational curses, but that's kind of what it is because they talk about this family curse that is comes with the Von Erichs name so much mm-hmm. so that uh, what was Zac Efron's character? Kevin Kevin has a son and doesn't carry on the family name. He changes the last name and because he doesn't want the son to inherit the same curse that his brothers did mm-hmm. and that's such it's i've never seen a story talk about or a movie talk about family curses this way so yeah in some cases maybe i could give it a five uh <laughs> in the moment i gave it a four but yeah it is a unique compelling story and we'll break that down more on these elements as we go but let's dive into characters so yeah. the character, let's talk about the character, the dad, for a second. Oof. So, <laughs> so I, I read an article from Kevin, mm-hmm. who took kind of talked about some of the creative liberties they took with the film, and Kevin said that his father was not that bad in real life. Which, yeah, from seeing interviews with him, he seems like he was a lot more uh, caring individual. Um, now, personally, as a, a wrestling fan myself, I wonder how much of that is him putting on a show um, in those situations, uh, because wrestling for I know there are a lot of people who out there still stick with it's fake, scripted, whatever. It's a performing art, the same as you would go, the same as these guys made the movie. They're out there making a TV show, weekly episodic drama each week. Um So, you know, he had to go out there and play a character for people. So I could see him, you know, being a little bit more rough around the edges, but knowing how to play a crowd, how to, you know, misconceive um, who he really was in front of people. But saw a few interviews of him talking about the death of their firstborn son, Jack Jr. Um, And I mean, there was a lot of emotion 
in what he was doing mm-hmm. there. Uh, and it did feel genuine. However, also listen to some interviews, um, one with Kevin from had to have been late nineties, maybe early two thousands. And he talked about how, yeah, dad had favorites. Dad ranked us the way that they do in the scene at the dinner table when he's yes. like, Carrie's my favorite, then Kevin, talk about then that. David, <laughs> then Mike. It, you know, that's exactly how it was. And yeah, it's pretty he, early in the movie. Like the family's sitting down for breakfast and dad just blurts out. He's like, you know how it is around here. Mm-hmm. Kevin's my favorite and goes down the rank and he says, no, that's always subject to change. And he says this to like motivate his sons. And yeah. it's clear in uh, uh, who's the musically inclined son. Uh, Mike. Mike. It's clear that like this has the opposite effect on Mike. It doesn't yes. motivate him hearing that. And it comes up again at the end of the movie when the rankings have changed and the dad's like, well, this one's now my favorite and Kevin gets bumped down. Mm-hmm. And these moments are really, you know, Kevin said in the article that his dad wasn't that bad in real life, but it was used as not motivation but it was a heavy point of this film that this dad has put a lot of pressure on his sons to perform well and and they use these scenes beautifully to do that well and fritz has always been someone who was worried about legacy and how they would be perceived you know 10 years down the line 50 years 100 years however it's why he was so obsessed with bringing the title into his household and you can really see that in each of the boys personalities and how that's rubbed off on them. And, you know, Kevin just wants to do what's right by the family. And he just, he wants everybody to be happy, but he wants to make dad proud and whatnot. But then you have Mike who turns his back on that. Cause he's like, you know, I, I don't know if I necessarily agree with dad's ways. And it, that Fritz's passion and drive is really the, the catalyst for everything that happened here uh, for this family. One thing that they did leave out, um, apparently, I I never knew the family, so I can't say for sure, but um, Kevin had said at one point that he believed that their dad was so hard on Mike because their dad saw a lot of himself in Mike. And so that's why the two of them butted heads so much. And it's one aspect I wouldn't have minded them integrating into the story uh, in the movie more. Instead of getting the one scene. Yeah, just yeah. you get those few moments where it's just kind of like, yeah, Mike, I hate you. Your music's stupid. And that's about it. It's like that. Well, there's that there one is scene room for some more here. Yeah, there's that one scene when they're all eating dinner outside picnic. Mm-hmm. This family ate together a lot, apparently. Um, yeah. it, it's kind of cool to see in a movie because I feel like definitely in today's modern age, families don't sit at a table and eat as much. Yes. Um, so it's really cool to see that aspect of it, even if their dinners seem to cause some tension. Yeah. Um, but the mom says something about Fritz. The the father? Yeah. Yeah. Says he was in a band once and this Mm -hmm. like blows the son's minds. The son's had no idea about this. He got a scholarship offer to play music in college for some big symphony band or something. And he gave it up for wrestling. What? And he's like, no, I knew that that wouldn't pay the bills. And it's like, and and making 50 bucks a night and a good handshake was like, 
and so he uses that to turn around on kind of like why Mike shouldn't pursue the music. Mm -hmm. And so Mike was the one in this movie that I felt the most for because I was always more, I was in an artsy family. You know, my brother Mm -hmm. was theater and band and all that. I wasn't in theater and band. I was artistic. So I never took to, I did swimming. I didn't do other sports. I never played football. It wasn't my thing. So I definitely related more to Mike watching his brothers be these sporty athletic and being like, I don't want to do that. I want to play music. And the scene early on when he's like, can we just go get burgers? Yeah. And his older brother's like, no, I got to be in shape. And the other brother's like, yeah, let's go get burgers together. And I'm like, it's just little heartfelt character moments that like that, that were so good. But the overall arc of this movie um fritz kind of stays who he is the entire time i felt like fritz didn't really grow as a character because he's portrayed as the villain yeah there's no easy way around that he's portrayed as the villain and the cause for all of these brothers troubles but the character of kevin who played by zach efron has a beautiful arc character story of just he starts the movie wanting to almost he's almost living for his father at the beginning like waking up training dieting doing all these things to bring home that championship belt for his dad and for himself i guess but it definitely comes across like dad is the motivation Mm -hmm. um and then he watches his brothers have success and him lose that ranking of favorites and he kind of steps back and is like, I need to be what my father never was to my family. And it's, I thought that was, was super powerful, that kind of breaking that curse. And then, like I said, I didn't really get emotional till the last scene when he's playing with his kids. Yeah. Like, no, that I, was, I got very emotional in that scene. And I think because it was probably the, one of the few happy moments in the movie. Um, <laughs> yes. I thought that, or at least a, uh, like a good kind of emotional moment, not necessarily right. happy, but when Zac Efron's sitting there and, you know, he's, it's like, sorry, I, I shouldn't cry. Men don't cry. And the boys are like, no, no dad. Like it's okay to cry. <laughs> yep. You've lost literally everything. There's n- <laughs> truthfully, there's not much good in your life other than what's sitting right here. You're allowed to be emotional. And, you truly see a transformation from this guy who is just so blinded by what his father wanted. And you know, like that point I think is driven home very clearly throughout the movie because anytime Fritz talks about winning the world heavyweight championship, it's always the house having it or their family having it and Mm -hmm. never Kevin wins it or Carrie wins it or David wins it. It's always them and how he never got to bring the belt home. It's for the name very clearly how he's trying to live vicariously through his kids, but killing them in doing so. And unfortunately it takes Kevin's character and Kevin in real life, so much tragedy to finally understand, Oh wow. There there's an easy fix to this. And it's to stop living for this man who put us in this situation to begin with. I mean, they they talk about the curse and their dad was the one who, he decided to change their name to Von Eric. It was his 
grandmother's maiden name, I believe. So he went digging for this name um, to get away from Atkinson. Changed their name, but apparently it was this curse name and he blew it off. Then decides uh, that his in-ring time would be best spent uh, parading around as a Nazi general. So not a lot of great karma there for himself. <laughs> and uh, everything just kind of <laughs> goes downhill from there. So I do I think trying. one thing with the mm-hmm. characters, um, for maybe the more casual goer of this film to keep in mind, is that the 80s, of course, are a completely different time. I mean, you mentioned the uh, just sitting together for dinner. I mean, you didn't yeah. really have an option other than that, you, there wasn't, you weren't going to go sit in front of the TV or go play video games in your room or sit on your phone. Like you just sat down and ate dinner at the dinner table. And that was that. Um, but even bigger than that, wrestling at that time, there wasn't just the WWE and maybe one other sizable company. There were these little pockets all throughout the country and people like they would live and die for wrestling because they thought that it was so real and kayfabe hadn't really been broken to the general public yet. So these, so like these guys were the biggest celebrities in their area. So not so that's only did you have that's the something I was curious dad, about, but you've got the pressure of your, your entire community is like on top of you to go and prove the world right and be, be their champion, bring this gold home from Japan or New York or wherever you're going with these bigger promotions. But I mean, it was, it was legitimate. And there's another character that was omitted from the story. I believe, I think he might've been shown in one scene where shortly after David passes, or maybe it's right before David passes and he goes on his world title run in Japan, Zach is tag teaming with another guy and you just see him in the corner kind of sticking his hand out to get the tag and the other dudes just beating up on the guy, kind of taking all of the uh, glory for himself. And uh, that was the character of Lance Von Erich, um, who was a fake Von Erich that they added into the storyline to increase the size of their family. But immediately the crowds were like, no, he's not actually a Von Erich. He was wrestling as, you know, Billy Bob Joe two weeks ago up in Kentucky. And we saw him there and we know that this isn't real don't try and, you know, make us look stupid for believing in fake stuff. This is legit. And I mean, people were angry about it. And so they immediately like took the character out. And so it's just one thing that I think that gives perspective to part of the story is this was, this was a cutthroat industry. And like, there's a lot of pressure coming from both sides in this. Yeah. I think that's fascinating to me. I never knew. I knew wrestling. So growing up in the early 90s, our next door neighbor was big into wrestling. And I remember it being a huge thing for them. Uh, I, of course, was not allowed to watch it because it was quote unquote fake. So it was, which I really loved Lily's line when they're kind of on their first date, I think, and they're out to eat. And she's like, what you do is fake, isn't it? And he has a great response to it. And I can't remember exactly at that time, but that's the biggest thing growing up. Wrestling was always fake. Mm-hmm. And it's it's how would you say it? it? The the term I believe that everyone uses is either predetermined or scripted. Um, 
So they determine the outcome of the match before they go out there. And depending on who the performer is or the, the athlete, you might have guys that sit down in the back and they're like, all right, we're going to wrestle for 18 minutes and 45 seconds. And every single second is mapped out. You might have other guys though, who are just like, Hey, you win and you're going to win after you do your, your finishing move. And they're like, okay, everything else they just call on the fly while they're out there. And I mean, it's interpretive dance, it's improv. It's no more fake than any other TV show that you're watching is like they're out there really doing it. They just know who's going to end up on top in the end. Yeah. And that doesn't, and should not put into question their athleticism in all of this. Mm-hmm. What they're doing is very skilled, very practiced, takes hours. I think it's super cool. I loved uh, totally, well, not totally unrelated. I loved Glow on Netflix. I oh, thought that man, was one of Netflix's show. greatest shows. I loved that show. While we're talking character in this movie, I gave the character a five. The arcs are powerful. The characters are memorable. And yeah, there might be a little caricature of their real life inspirations, but I don't think it's probably that far off. Things were changed for drama purposes. But I think this movie, through the characters, carries an important lesson about living vicariously through your children, like you mentioned the father Mm -hmm. doing. Uh, I've been in the coaching world since, well, for over 10 years. And I've seen it happen. And anytime you're putting that excessive pressure on young athletes, wrestling, basketball, football, swimming, whatever, they're doing it for you. Mm -hmm. And it is always a very rough time for them when they figure out why they need to do it for themselves. So, and I think this movie... It's the extreme worst case scenario of how that can play out. Mm -hmm. But I think it's very powerful. I agree completely. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. So then you gave your characters a five? I did. I gave them a five as well. Um, I'll be honest, most of my scores, uh, it's almost the opposite of the last time we were on here with Morbius. Uh, (laughs) I bounced back and forth between like four and five for most everything. And a lot of the fours probably could have been fives. Um, I guess I was just a little anxious to give something fully perfect scores and claim that it is the perfect movie. I feel like yeah. that's a little bit of a target on my back. Well, I think I told you after we had watched it, I think it's still my second favorite wrestling movie. And that is fighting with my family. Oh man, that's such a I, fun movie. It's that one is way more fun, way more rewatchable than this one. Um, and I will never forget her line about like, just because thousands of people aren't cheering when you do it, doesn't mean it's not important. Mm-hmm. Like, one of the most memorable lines I've ever seen in a movie like this. And it's Florence Pugh. So yeah. <laughs> top, 
<laughs> top no, of that's the... that's a good one my favorite wrestling movie is uh spider-man one uh <laughs> sam raimi one bone saw yeah there's nothing that tops that bone <laughs> saw is ready oh, i yeah, okay so I'll, I'll give that i'll give that to you i'll give that to you all right so moving into the music and sound design i personally i loved some of the musical choices mm-hmm. in this film um they really helped establish the time period through the music there's and i also thought the composer was interesting the music was composed by richard richard reed perry who is from arcade fire Hmm. so i did not know that and his wife lauren sprenglemeyer actually wrote an original song live that way forever for the film but on top of that they used um tom sawyer by rush which was their entrance music from 1981 Mm. to 83 i believe i'm reading that off the internet i didn't know (laughs) that fact uh they used one of my it's i it's a cliche song i guess but i love it don't fear the reaper by blue oyster cult uh john denver's in this it's great time period music for most of the film and also every time i hear don't fear the reaper i'm like oh something bad is gonna happen so as soon as that song came on i was like "Ooh, things are gonna get rough (laughs) yeah i gave the music and sound a four um i there wasn't there were those great moments i thought that they like you said used the music really well to establish the era um which i think that this movie really needed because unlike so many bigger movies we see there wasn't a lot that really established this as a a period piece of sorts like it was haircuts were pretty obvious the those were (laughs) yes and some of the you know the outfits and everything i'll give them that but think that the music really helped to drive home like this this was a different era um and i think it really gave you it made you feel like you were kind of living in the 80s while you watch the movie rather than just oh this is supposed to be a movie set back then it felt like they went back in time or filmed this then and they were like oh yeah hey we found this in the back office we want to produce it um there were a few scenes uh one in particular that i noted here it's uh the boys oh it was after um kevin's match with harley race towards the beginning of the movie And he Mm -hmm. gets the crap kicked out of him. And Harley Race uh, ends up getting disqualified. But that is that when he hurts his title. He uh, no, this is when uh, it's earlier on. He throws the the Harley Race throws the ref out of the ring. And then David comes out to the ring to come and save Kevin. Yep. And Kevin gets on the mic and he can't really deliver a promo all that great. So David takes it and kind of saves him. Yep. And they're sitting in the locker room and they're, he's getting all bandaged up and he's putting the ice packs on and their dad comes in and tells him uh, to say that David is being offered a shot at the heavyweight title and not Kevin. And the camera just zooms in on Kevin's face while dialogue is still happening between Fritz and David because Fritz is just going through all the business aspects of it. And they're going to fly you out to Japan. You're going to do these shows. And then on this day, you're going to fight him and blah, blah, blah. And uh, everything just kind of starts to go to fade out. 
and you just get a little bit of that ringing noise as it gets closer and closer on Kevin's face. And I just thought like that moment there was like the sound design really made that moment as impactful as it was. It was, I think Kevin's first realization that like, no matter how much you do for this family, it's never going to be enough and you're never going to achieve what you want trying to live up to other people's expectations. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, yeah, that one really, really stood out for me. That's a good observation. I also, I noted that outside of the uh, musical choices, as far as songs go, the score itself was more atmospheric than Mm -hmm. like hype up music. You know, they would use those songs of John Denver or Blue Oyster Cult, but the score itself was very minimal. Um, And I'm going to get into more about the minimal approach in direction, but I thought it complimented, but I didn't think like the score itself is something I'm going to go back and listen to. I'm not going to be like, oh, yeah, yeah, the the Iron Claw score is up there with Hans Zimmer. No, I probably won't. So for that reason, I gave it a four, but I do think it complements the movie extremely well, which is why it's better than good. It serves its purpose. It helps complement the scenes like you just described. But like you also mentioned, the sound design is really good. And one of those scenes to me that also falls under the direction was towards the end of the movie when Kevin just starts bouncing back and back and forth between the ropes and the music is, if I'm remembering right, it's not much more than like a gr- building hum. Yep. It's and not. It just gets faster and faster. Yep. And and the sound of that is almost like the percussion to this hum that is just increasing our heart rate. We're mm-hmm. kind of feeling what he's feeling. It's a really well done scene, but it's not a song that I'm going to go back and listen to, but it's just. I put that more in like the quality of the direction for me than the sound. But yeah, I gave the sound a four. I thought the sound was really well done. The music choices were really well done. It's just a step below. Like I'm going to listen to this soundtrack on its own. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I gave it a a four or yeah, I gave it a four as well. I think I said that already, but very similar reasons, like just no big iconic numbers, but the they really use the music and i like you that you brought up the comment of the kind of the minimal approach i thought they used dead space and just kind of no sound almost Mm -hmm. as well if not better than they used the music and sounds that they did yep yep definitely so then jumping into the editing and special effects this movie has zero special effects so this is definitely more about the editing side of it which i have one complaint and one complaint. I thought this movie was edited really well. I they did. We talked about how you kind of feel like you're living in the 80s. Mm-hmm. Um, they used some kind of filter that made everything look orangish and yellowish. Yes. And it it helped you feel it's almost not like. It's more like when you watch somebody's home recordings yes. from the 70s and 80s, that kind of desaturated yellowish color. Not that everything, like all the whites appear yellow. It's not overdone. It is definitely 
like you're watching a 4k video from 1984 mm-hmm. um that's not my complaint i i was fine with that i actually thought it worked really well for this film my complaint is there were too many scenes where it would like 50 percent fade over another scene and you would have like I didn't care for it. There was one scene that I thought it was okay when all of the brothers' faces kind of faded into the next brother's face Mm -hmm. to show this drama. And I was like, I guess I'm okay with it. I didn't care for it. I don't like the... um, I cannot... Like the cross dissolve. We're we're dissolving into the next scene. I'm not a big fan of that. So for that, I give the editing a four. It wasn't my favorite... It's just a small choice. Didn't ruin the overall movie. But outside of that, I'm like, man, this is sharply edited. And then there's just these weird transitions a couple of times that kind of, and they weren't my thing. Yeah. The, the transitions didn't stand out as much for me. Um, I believe that they were there. I don't, I can't remember really how they transitioned from one scene to the another, uh, to another, um, I do remember, though, the scene that you're talking about where the faces kind of went one on top of the other, fading in and out. And I can see where that could pull somebody out of the movie. Like it is it's such a serious drama from start to finish that to add that is it's just a little cheesy and maybe Mm -hmm. it fits the 80s aesthetic and kind of the 80s genre. But I don't think that that's completely necessary. Um, It was not something that reminded me of those Olin Mills portraits where they would be like sitting on the bench mm-hmm. and then their faces. Yes. Over the, I'm like, it's just not necessary. It's, yeah. it's dated. Yeah. And that didn't stand with me as much. Um, I do. There was one um, special effect that they used and that was with Carrie's foot missing um, afterwards. How oh, they that's true. edited that's that true. out. And I thought they did a really good job with that. Um, otherwise I thought just the, you know, for me, editing and directing, I kind of get those, I kind of let those mesh with one another a little bit. Yeah. Um, but I did feel like the editing in this movie was really good. I thought that the timing and pacing of everything went really nicely. That even when there was when there was dead space or downtime, it was utilized by the film to continue the drama or create suspense. Um, there weren't any moments where I was like, eh, get rid of that. We don't need it. Um, I thought that it was as succinct a movie as it really needed to be. And I expected it to continue going. Um, when Zach brings Carrie's body in and lays him down on the table, I thought it was going to continue and that they would maybe come back to the other brother, Chris, that we had mentioned at the beginning of the film, um, or maybe talk about their father when his health started to decline, but nope, they just moved on from it. And I was okay with that. But I also would have been okay if they went another 20 minutes with the movie. The other thing I really appreciated, which again, it could fall in the direction. um, They avoided showing graphic details. Mm -hmm. Like this movie is heavy enough. It's not relying on the gore effect of anything. Even when the brother loses his foot, like they don't even show the car crash that caused it. It's just him driving headlights cut and two months later Mm -hmm. 
and that's when we realized and i really appreciated that in the editing like we didn't need a title card that said three months later or whatever it was just clean cut you just figure it out yep and you follow along i don't even think when because i was looking for it um but i don't even think that when kevin picks up carrie's body that because carrie when he did he had gone through the chest not and so it wasn't going to be a messy thing to begin with but even he's carrying him chest to chest for a little bit cradled him not even a drop of blood and i was like cool that makes the that keeps this movie very intense and heavy but Mm -hmm. doesn't push it so far that it becomes gratuitous yeah and almost disrespectful to the family and the moments that they're dealing with like Yes, we all are able to infer that that was a really heavy moment and we didn't need blood everywhere. And, you know, like you said, to see the mangled foot or to find a body like they hide somebody behind a tree. You see, you know, a newspaper report or they get a phone call about another brother rather than seeing anything. And I think it almost gave some sort of mystery to it that Mm -hmm. also keeps you very invested in it. Um and you reminded I, me I also of, really appreciated that. Yeah. You reminded it was just tasteful. Mm-hmm. Um you reminded me of another scene where a special effect was used that it's just such a small scene but it's so beautiful and heartbreaking was when it's after the older brother's death and you're watching Carrie the mother is watching Carrie fight on TV. Mm-hmm. And you just see a young boy sitting on the staircase behind her. Mm -hmm. And it's so subtle. You don't even think that much about it other than like, is that? And then she turns around and he's gone. And it's just this moment where like you can feel that she felt him. Mm -hmm. You know, she misses her son. And it was so beautifully done. So subtle. So quick. Yeah. And I think those are moments, we'll dive right into the script. Those are moments that I think the script really shines. I think there were times I thought it was just a little heavy handed or on the nose, but I think it almost needed to be that way to avoid. Ah, well, like we like we said to be respectful of like, this is a true story. These are real tragedies that happened and you can't exaggerate it too much or add too much to the script and the way the characters behaved for something that didn't happen in real life. Or if Mm -hmm. this wasn't true to the character, it might create more drama. They fiddled with the story enough to create Mm -hmm. drama. So I think that kind of, I don't want to say it trapped the script. I think it held the script back two percent not not a ton i think there were moments where i also shined through like that subtle moment with the mother feeling her son and that's not there's no dialogue there it's just a well-constructed scene Mm -hmm. um i struggled with kevin's lines i yeah i thought they were just all around a little heavy i love my brothers yeah, I'll let my brothers be happy. I'll love my family. Oh no, they, the curse. They didn't make him seem smart. Yes, yeah. they didn't make him seem smart, and I think that's where it really hurt me. I think that's why I landed on a four for the script overall. Is 
it does so much so well but then the main character that we're watching has some of the weakest lines in the whole film and that's something i don't know like i read the article where they interviewed kevin the real life kevin and he was so much more eloquent than the kevin we saw on screen well he works in or i don't believe he does anymore i know he's he's probably at retirement age now he's appeared on a few wrestling shows actually recently as kind of cross promotion for the movie, but he was working in investment banking after he sold WCCW. So like you can't be that dull of an individual to make it in that industry. You can only fake it so much. Um, And I think that they did really downplay that. And part of that was probably just to keep it, keep the story focused on the family and not, let it maybe get too big. Um, I gave it a four as well for things like that. But I also felt that while this movie was not designed to specifically be a wrestling movie made just for wrestling fans, there was a lot that they kind of expected you just to maybe know or have to pick up on with very subtle nods throughout it that Mm -hmm. I think if they had been a little bit more deliberate with explaining things as you went along um, that it would have just kept people more engaged and maybe would have added a little bit more intrigue to the wrestling side. I know that the movie was not, it was a family drama, not a wrestling drama. Um, But as a wrestling fan, I did want a little bit more of that there. Now, one thing that I'll say the script did exceptionally well in regards to it being a wrestling film was that, at no point do they say, well, you know, we're sending you to the NWA. You're going to wrestle Ric Flair. And I already talked it over and you're going to win. It's you've got a championship opportunity. No, mm-hmm. at no point is there any illusion that or breaking of the illusion that wrestling is real. Everything is you've got a chance. You've got a shot. You've got an opportunity here. And yeah. it was on them to go out there and as an athlete win. And if they didn't, it was because they fell short, not because somebody in the back was pulling strings and said, eh, we don't want Kevin to be the one today. There was some politicking with who was going where and how they got title shots and things like that. But once they got into the thick of it, it was 1v1, better man came out on top. Yeah. And I will say for me, not knowing that much about wrestling, I took the way it was structured based on this movie, the way they talked about you have this opportunity. It was you go out there and you win over the crowd and kind of Mm -hmm. it is very much about pleasing the crowd. And if you don't put on a good show, if you don't engage the audience, you're not going to win. And so that's what I walked away. And like you said, it does kind of just expect you to know a lot of that. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of why I say it's not a movie about wrestling it's a movie about a family that wrestles yes so that's yeah i I would agree with you on they expect a lot of the audience so we're at agreement on four for the script diving into the acting this is another one like i want to know what kevin von erics was like in real life Mm -hmm. because Zach played him very wooden and I, I didn't mind it. I, I didn't love it. 
but I just kind of assumed this is who he was in real life. That this guy was very like we talked about his script didn't make him appear smart and his acting didn't make him necessarily appear to be the sharpest tool in the shed. He's very wooden in his performance. He's not bad in that. Mm-hmm. He plays that character very well. Zach does a nice job with it, but it made me like the performances of like Carrie Mm-hmm. who was very dynamic, highs and lows, energetic. And there was this very different drive between the two brothers. And that's something, was that director's choice? Was that Zach's choice? I don't know. Was he basing it on how Kevin acted at that time? I don't know what Kevin was like. Mm-hmm. But I didn't necessarily like the woodenness i ended up giving the acting a four i thought overall it's great acting from everybody involved but there was something missing from zach's performance that took it that next level he was not bad by any means and like i said it could not have it might not have been zach's choice it might have been something the director was like hey can you perform it this way i want this feel and i just question it a little yeah, I uh, I agree that Kevin's character was very one dimensional in that regard, where it was, you know, like I said earlier, you know, I love my family. I don't like the curse on my family and I want to mm-hmm. wrestle for my family like that was really the three personality traits that Kevin had. Um, but I think that that was very obviously intentionally done because Zach Efron does it so well. That's obviously not just, you know, he didn't have a lot of personality. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like it was almost the choice to make Kevin so one dimensional though, because it keeps the story very focused on the core of their kind of issues as a family. And that is that the idea of wrestling being this be all end all to fix all their problems is their primary focus and so Kevin was raised with that being his his only mentality of if I want to get ahead in life and I want to make my family proud, I have to do this really well. And so they kind of trained him and conditioned him to only think that one way. Um, and you don't start to see him start really thinking about his own family and his own life until he breaks away from some of the constraints of his family and the character becomes it starts to have a few more layers added to him. Um, yeah. I got some crisis going on behind us here <laughs> with fire trucks and everything. I will say it does seem that he develops layers as the movie progresses. He's mm-hmm. very much one dimensional. And then we end, like we talked about, with an emotional version of the character where at the beginning there wasn't that emotion. Yeah. No, and so. I, I really enjoyed that. And I thought all the other brothers acting was really great as well. Um I wanted to see more of Carrie. And part of that is that I just wanted to see more Jeremy Allen White, truthfully. Um, I've seen fan casting of Jeremy Allen White as Wolverine. And I got to say, after seeing how jacked he was for this movie, I'm here for that. Put some mutton chops on him. He's about the right height, too. So I think that I would be all right with it. But his character was really good. And, you know, not that I needed more tragedy from this film. I know we've covered that there was plenty of it to begin with, but 
I kind of would have liked a part of the movie that maybe pulled away from Kevin as much and focused a bit more on Carrie's kind of spiral and how things all went downhill after, you know, you get to see a bit more of the heartbreak and how hard it was for him dealing with getting cut from the Olympics or them not going to the Olympics. Yes. Um, And then kind of how everything goes from there, I think would have added a lot to his character. Um, And I think it was you who told me that like, when he killed himself, he had a family. Yeah, no, he was married and had two kids and you don't see any of that in the film. Yes. And so I think that that would have added a lot to it. I mean, even Kevin, Kevin didn't have at the time he had two daughters, not two sons. Um, Mm -hmm. His sons weren't born until I believe the nineties, maybe just before. Um, And I think that him having had even a larger family, with Pam, I think it pulls away a bit from him being superstitious if he keeps pumping out kids with that being the thought, even though he did name them all with the Adkisson last name and not Von Eric. Yeah. Um, I do think that that would have just kept adding more and more weight, you know, a moment or two or a scene or two where it's, you know, dad, where's Uncle Carrie? And you just get that extra like gravity to the characters. Mm-hmm. And then you have more characters that you can kind of play on. Um, and it, that being said, I didn't mind it being a smaller cast either. And I, I don't I think, think it that, comes back to that question of how much sadness can the audience take in yes. one sitting? Like, yeah. yeah, it would have added immense sadness to Carrie's story, but it was already, that was already the third death of a character we met on screen. The fourth death for the family we met on mm-hmm. screen. Like it was already pretty heavy at that point. And I think they even glossed over um, third brother, first one to die. So, there, yeah, there was Jack Jr. And then David was the first brother that we see kind of grown up who okay. dies. Died in Japan. He, yeah, he died from yeah. uh, ruptured intestines and then heart yeah. failure. Well, and they hinted that he might have, and this wasn't, I don't know if this was true, but I thought the movie hinted at some substance abuse with him. Well, there was, so the story goes that they were over in Japan for this show and they find David's body in his hotel room. And Ric Flair was one of the individuals, I believe, that found him or very early on knew of it. And another wrestler that they, uh, that Kevin and David wrestled early on bruiser brody went into david's hotel room and he cleaned up a bunch of pills and bottles and everything because he had been mixing substances and whatnot and partying with them because back then that's what they did when they were on the road not saying it's much different now i think that there are some tighter restrictions around it um with drug testing but when they were on the road i mean they were all they were, could get prescriptions for whatever, you know, oh, my back hurts from getting thrown around all the time. Great. You know, here are these painkillers. And then they'd share them with their buddies. And mm-hmm. it was it was very bad on the road for them. And I believe David got brought into it. And there was even talks of there being maybe some foul play involved in it where some people intentionally slipped him things, knowing he was mixing it with alcohol um, that wow. would cause him to, to pass. Um, and I think that, again how much sadness can people take? But there's an element, even if you just hint at like, you're watching the TV and you hear the news reporter say, um, you know, there's suspicions of foul play. Like that adds a lot of, I think, 
intensity to the character instead of I thought David's death kind of was brushed off very quickly mm-hmm. to jump into more of the storyline. Um, we got that, dwell on it a lot, but we got that nice scene at the wedding with David and Kevin. That's kind true. Of, it, it's a it's a rough scene because he's throwing up blood and his brother yeah. finds him at his own wedding. But it's a very it's a beautiful scene between two brothers. And then mm-hmm. like he passes the next scene over a phone call. And again, it's one of those I I thought it was, yes, brushed over pretty quickly, but it was a tasteful moment of like focusing on the family part of it, not on the death part of it. Yeah. Which we can jump right into direction. Uh those are the things I thought this movie handled really well. I felt this movie was almost directed from a voyeuristic approach. There were a lot of times where I felt like I was in the room. Mm-hmm. And I I love that about it. Uh, going, not quite the opening scene, but the first scene with Kevin, where I just felt like the camera was set on the bedside table and it wakes up with an alarm he's waking up to run but like the you see like his chest and his elbow as he's like slowly rises out of bed and it's Mm -hmm. just it's an awkward shot at first but then i'm like man i feel like i'm watching a camera that somebody left in the room yeah well every scene of them real every scene of them in the locker room is kind of that way too like it's shot almost like up and at an angle. So it's almost, you're looking over someone's shoulder or you're almost looking from under the bench at this conversation you shouldn't be a part of, but you're here for, and it's kind of like a train wreck. You, it's so bad, but you can't look away from it. And you see, you know, you can see Fritz being verbally and emotionally abusive, but you're there. You can't get out. You're, you're stuck just like the kids are. Um, And I think it adds, you know, to the tension and almost the anxieties that you can feel throughout this movie, waiting for the next bad thing to happen. Um, Yes. And it does feel like you're kind of sneaking around, um, viewing things that you shouldn't be. And I also think there's an element of that that is probably intentional with it being the wrestling world. And you're not supposed to know what goes on behind closed doors because you shouldn't be in on the acting part or the decision-making part the politics business whatever you want to Mm -hmm. call it but you are so you're kind of breaking a rule within the movie being back there and then on top of that you get all of the emotions and it just makes it really really gripping yeah Um, there was one of the other scenes it's used there are techniques i guess it's used a couple different times that made me again feel like I'm in the room or I'm in the scene were multiple scenes of them driving and the camera was not focused on the character driving. It was Mm -hmm. focused on the road ahead and almost from the passenger seat where you felt like you were a passenger to the events that were unfolding. And there's multiple scenes of, well, we talked about Kevin bouncing between the ropes and he just comes in and out of focus, in and out of focus, in and out of focus for a while. And the camera just stays still. There's a lot of scenes where the camera is just still 
or it moves very slowly tracking mm-hmm. what's happening. And it just created this very immersive experience, which I think is why I mentioned like some of those cross fades, cross dissolves of characters' faces overlapping took me out of that where I'm yeah. like, well, there's the editing where I just felt like I was in the locker room with them. Now I know I'm watching a movie. Um, so I think that's where I ended up with a four on this because there are scenes that I thought were beautifully done. And then I thought there were some scenes that I was like, I think I know what the director was attempting to do, but I was not feeling that. So there's a lot of really, really, I mean, four is great. The directing in this film is great. So like I said, I love that kind of voyeuristic approach to this family drama. Yeah, I gave it a four as well. Um, I think for me, part of it, uh, there was sometimes the scale or scope of things did not feel maybe as impressive as it should have. Like when they they had these matches, obviously the focus in those scenes was on the two in the ring, but with how dark it was throughout the mm-hmm. crowd, it felt like you were always in a high school gymnasium and it didn't really drive mm-hmm. home how big this family was and the heights that they were hitting, which I think then adds to the stress that, everyone within the family was feeling and all the pressures that were put on then. So I think that having more of that would have helped in the long run as well. Um, another scene that I, uh, I really, really liked though was similar to the locker room stuff we were talking about was when Kevin and Carrie are sparring um, and they're practicing outside in their ring. And it was after Carrie's accident And Carrie starts getting real pissed off and mouthy with uh, Kevin. And Kevin's just, he's at his wits end because he's been passed over now twice for people who kind of had their shots taken away from them as Mm -hmm. well. And it's like, could have been me. And he just kicks Carrie in the chest and knocks him down. And the camera, though, is frozen on one side of the ring. And you're just watching everything play out as if you're standing outside of the ring. And it's like, Oh, what an awkward situation to be watching two brothers fight. And like the one brother just kicked his handicapped brother down to the ground, like knowing what he was doing. And it was almost in that moment, you're seeing Kevin kind of break as well. So there's all this emotion there and it's like, Oh man, I, you can't get away from this sadly. Yeah, that's very true. But yeah. So for, with, you know, more of the things I'm saying, I probably could have gone five, but I gave it enough fives already. So, and I don't <laughs> think I'm done yet. Oh, never mind. I am, but yeah, we'll get there when we get there. So then moving on to the it factor for this film. Um, Did I say my score? It doesn't matter. Uh, The it factor for this film. This was a tough one. I gave it a three. Because I didn't see a lot of talk about this film, Mm -hmm. but the talk that I saw was overwhelmingly positive. There were a couple people who were like, oh, it's self-indulgent and sad, slog, whatever. I'm like, okay, good storytelling can be sad. So, yes, but I did most of the talk that I saw was positive. So I do think there was a little bit of an it factor for this film, but it was not... I don't think it was ever top of the box office. I don't think it was 
And I don't think they were trying to be. I don't think they were trying to be the next, you know, box office success or smash. I think it was fairly profitable. But most of the people who saw this movie were impacted by this movie. So while it wasn't a widespread phenomenon, it did have a small effect for the people who did see it. So I, I gave it a three for that. I think if I had scored this movie as soon as I walked out of the theater, I probably would have given the it factor a probably would have gone with a three as well. Um, However, I just scored it here a few minutes ago before we hopped on. um, And yesterday we were at a swim meet and I was talking with some of the athletes and we brought up the iron claw because we were talking about that we were recording this episode Mm -hmm. and there were a bunch of these high school boys that we're talking about how they went and saw it and how amazing it was and how it really? was so heavy. And I'm like, okay, you guys have no interest in wrestling. You don't seem like individuals who would go for a drama, but yet out of the like eight kids that were standing around me, half of them had gone to seen it. And I was like, okay, this is, there is more out there. I think that has pushed people to this movie than I originally thought. I was sold on it from the get-go, so I don't think I focused on any of the hype around it or any of the media that they did. Not that there was I think much. You were, you were the one that brought it to my attention. But it, uh, yeah, I because I remember seeing like some ads for it, I think on Instagram, but that was really it. And now yeah. I don't watch a lot of TV with commercials or streaming services with commercials. Um, so I'm sure that there was Tubi a lot the there. Time. But, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> Tubi but yeah, that That really pushed me. And I was like, okay, this has got, I don't know if necessarily massive cultural significance as the four suggests, but there was a lot more there than I really expected there to be. Um, Which made me really excited too for wrestling as a genre, the story, more people Mm -hmm. exploring heavier concepts and not just going for the same cookie cutter box office hits. Um, I thought that it, it, bodes well for a lot of independent uh filmmakers as well yeah i think something you said about these younger boys saw this movie made me think this is a movie that you know i wouldn't normally tell you to take families to see an r-rated film Mm -hmm. but this is one that i think you probably could take your family to and have a discussion about because I, you know, I don't know who's listening to this and how you're raising your kids. There's not a lot of language in this film. Mm-mm. There's not like, there's not nudity. There's one kind of awkward sex scene, but even then nothing shown. Um, it's not excessively violent or gory. It's just, it's rated R because of how heavy the subject matter is. Yeah, and it's just easier to go with an R rating than try to yes. push for pg or 13 like and so i i agree i think that this movie could be a great conversation starter for a lot of people um and you know maybe even going and just watching it alone without family maybe there's someone who realizes like holy cow i'm a little bit of a fritz or you Mm -hmm. know maybe i've got a kevin on my hands who thinks that they have to live and breathe to satisfy me in every way but i love them for what they are and they don't have to do that. And so maybe it inspires them to, hey, but I, I appreciate what you're doing here, but I want you to be you, not just a copy of dad. 
yeah. um, or maybe it helps with abuse problems, whatever it is. Or like, the other side of that, maybe you have a mic on your hands that reminds you of you mm-hmm. and you need to take a step back on how to like, what did I need in yep. that position? You know, I do think it's, I do think it's worth taking if your kid shows interest in it, maybe you want to screen it yourself first just to yes. be sure. But there's a lot of important conversation to be had from this film. If you've got a mature, a mature enough 15 and over that yeah. would go with you, I think that that would be good. I would be hesitant to say that this is a movie for like kids to go with their friends to see. I think that at that point it become it can become a bit of a mockery um, and they yes. lose the appreciation of what they're seeing. Um, but yes, for sure. I think that there is, there's a lot of value in being able to get on, uh, get it, go out rather and see this movie together. And like you said, just have the talk um, whether it's right after the movie or it comes months, weeks, whenever later. Um, I think that it can really help get the ball rolling on some tough topics. Yeah. Which brings us to our overall, it's hard to call this entertainment value on this film because this film is not exactly entertaining in the traditional sense. It's not really escapism. Um, It's not like, it's not why I go see a superhero movie. Not at all. This is definitely drama. Um, I did, I gave it a seven out of 10 for my entertainment value. And that's strictly because this isn't a movie I'm going to want to watch frequently. It is Mm -hmm. a heavy film that sticks with you after watching it. And just because of that, like, it's not one that I'm going to go put on repeat and watch again or watch, you know, three times in a month. There's great stuff that happens. It's a great film, but its rewatchability is limited by how heavy the subject matter is. No, I agree there. Um, I went a little bit higher with it. I gave it a nine. Um, I was really, I was really excited for this movie. I was really happy with everything that I saw in the movie. Um, as I'm sure many people were able to pick up listening to me throughout this, I could have handled, I think, more like emotion and tragedy in the movie. And I would have been all right if they did almost a a one to one remake of their actual lives rather than tweaking the story for a movie going audience. So I would be up for watching this more regularly. However, you know, uh, 10 being I would watch this again immediately. I think I'd need a little bit of time in between viewings (laughs) just to kind of sit on it. But I mean, we left the theater and I was already talking with uh, my fiance about how and when we could find time to be able to go and see it again. Or when this comes out on streaming, I want to make sure we can get it or buy it, whatever I want to be able to have I think A24 has a deal with Showtime or something because most A24 movies end up. So I pay for Showtime with Paramount Plus. Mm-hmm. And most A24 movies are on Paramount with, and it takes a little bit longer, but it's usually six months later. They're on Showtime, I would say. So, yeah. Well, and if you are a uh, an action figure person like me, got all my little doodads up here, <laughs> A24 also uh, struck a deal. They're doing action figures of the characters from the movie. So it's not like just the wrestlers themselves. The first one they're starting with is Zach Efron as Kevin Von Erich. 
Um, and those are releasing next February. So I'm going to be Which, or this February. Sorry. Talk about how Zac Efron looked like a straight action figure in this film. The oh dude was gosh, beefcake, like jacked. He's huge. And it didn't he wasn't like a, a gross, like uncomfortable, huge either. Um, I know a lot of people will probably compare the body transformation for Zac Efron specifically to like Baywatch and how he had to get in shape for that versus this. This l- just looked way healthier. Um, this looks like a superhero, he, by the way. It looked, yeah, he is it, giant. And Zac Efron's not a big guy to begin with. I don't believe he's very tall. Um, not that he's, you know, a short king by any means, but he's not towering over people. But he was built like, I mean, like a it quite frankly, shed. It quite frankly put Chris Evans as Captain America oh, to yeah. shame. Like oh, 100%. <laughs> well, and it, I think for me too, it drives the that really makes you kind of bummed that Jeremy Allen White isn't a little taller because I think Zac Efron was built more to play Carrie because of how big he was. Cause Carrie Von Eric was like six, four huge built like Zac Efron was. And Kevin's a little, he was a little bit leaner, still a little bit tall. Um, but Oh my gosh, he was in incredible shape and he could move too scenes of him Mm -hmm. running in the movie. I mean, he's just full on sprinting and it's not just, Oh, we're going to get a two second shot. Just run really fast. Like he's sprinting through a field for a little while and they're following him. And you can tell that like he is in shape. Yeah. So it was impressive. (laughs) Definitely for sure. Overall, I ended up my score for this movie is a 38 out of 50 or roughly four stars out of five, depending on how you want to look at it. It's a great film. It is a very strong, powerful, and compelling watch. There's a couple things here and there that maybe I didn't care for quite as much. But overall, the acting is strong. The script is well done. The direction is pretty fantastic. It's just... It's just a step away from being what I would think of as a perfect family drama. It's one of the better family dramas. I think ultimately I would have liked to see a little bit more happiness at the end because we did spend so much of this movie dealing with very heavy sadness and we get one 20 second, 30 second scene of like, I'm going to be different for my kids and the yeah. end. And so I do think if I had had just a little bit more, and I'm not saying like 15 minutes more, I'm saying just a little bit more time at the end to take a breath, realize how far we've come and realize where the family is headed. I don't think that it was necessarily the wrong choice of the director. I'm saying for myself, I would have liked a little bit more of that like optimistic outlook. It had it at the end, but it's so brief. Yeah, no, I, uh, I do agree. Um, one scene that I thought that really did give me a bit of that happy feeling was the, uh, fact that they had, when Carrie had, uh, passed, he goes into like the afterlife and he's able to meet up with yes. David and Mike. And then they also get to meet Jack Jr. for the first time and acknowledge him as their uh, big brother. Say hi, Elliot, wherever you went. Hi. 
Hi, Elliot. Um, and so I thought that that was like a very uplifting, happy moment that they showed as well. Um, and for me, that went a long way and kind of gave me the positive vibes that I needed as well as the final scene. So overall, my score, I believe, was a 45, which ranks this as amazing. And that's exactly what I would tell anybody else is that this movie is just amazing. Um, I would recommend it to most anyone. There are a few people that I know maybe struggle with some of these more sensitive topics that I would be very hesitant to show it to. Um, maybe have them read up on the story of the family prior to going and seeing it so they mm -hmm. can prepare themselves a little bit. But yeah, this is one that I would very quickly put on again. Um, I would be able to enjoy watching it anytime, um, really. And I want them to do more stuff like this. Not that I want there to be more tragic stories to have to make films about or want to make films about, but I could have them doing, you know, other stories about uh, tragedies that have happened in the wrestling world. No problem. Well, and that's an interesting thing you bring up. I feel like we've told football stories. We've told baseball stories. We've told basketball stories. I mean, we're from Indiana. One of the biggest movies for basketball is about Indiana. Everybody talks about Hoosiers. Uh, but I don't think there've been a lot of movies about wrestling in the wrestling world and the, what the people go through in that, the training, all of that. I think we're kind of tapping into it now. I mean, my first recollection, not being in the wrestling world or paying attention to the wrestling world all that much was fighting with my family. That was my first memory of a big wrestling world film. So we've seen boxing before, but that's totally different. So as far as I know, this is the second. You might know. I mean, you brought up Sam Raimi's Spider-Man. Yeah. Well, there was the I have not seen it. Um, I still would like to watch it. There's Mickey Rourke's The Wrestler, um, okay, yes, which yeah. I think deals with uh, kind of the lifestyle of wrestling. And I mean, those people who know wrestlers, uh, I won't get too into it because if you don't know them, it doesn't matter. But there are a lot of families uh, in the wrestling world that have experienced a lot of similar stories to what we see here that I think deserve a chance to have them told. Um, whether that is the you know making a, a full show about it, or their or movie, or they have an episodic series that they go through highlighting different members of the families and whatnot. Mm -hmm. I think that that uh, that would be really cool to see them do. Yeah, I would watch documentaries about this for sure. It's just an interesting world. I love learning new things, and I would definitely be into that. So overall, between our two scores, this takes our average to a 41.5, which makes it a great movie. Mm -hmm. uh, and I, I, or an amazing movie, sorry. And yes, like we said, we'd recommend it to most everybody, but be forewarned, it is a heavy, heavy film. So know that going into it. And it's a great film to have conversations about after. I think we need more films that inspire conversation after instead of just being easy eye candy. I think mm -hmm. there is a place for the eye candy. Don't get me wrong. I oh, love yeah. 
I love eye candy. I know I'm one of the few out there that like I liked the second Aquaman movie because it was pleasing eye candy. It wasn't anything compelling. It was just fun. We need those movies and we need movies like this and we need them both. So that's all I have for this episode. Hayden, you have anything else you want to say? That's all I got. Okay. So we will see you in two weeks with the next regular uh, movie review. In the meantime, we are running the broadcast interruption series where we are recapping with various guests what is going on in the world of True Detective Season 4 because that show is, we're, by the time you hear this, we're three episodes in and that show is going nuts. We have three more episodes to go on that. So join us for either of those. If you're not watching True Detective, skip over it, whatever. Wait for the next movie one or just watch it all. Be here with us. Let us know what's going on, what you think. Make sure you are following on Instagram or Facebook, submitting your reviews through that link tree. So Hayden, have anything? I'm all good, man. All right. We will see you in two weeks.